Welcome to the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your employees all the information they need to be successful at their jobs. Now, let's get started with the show. Chad Franzen here, co-host of the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your staff everything they need to be successful at their job. Past guests include David Allen of Getting Things Done and Michael Gerber of The Emeth, and many more. This episode is brought to you by Sweet Process. Have you had team members ask you the same questions over and over again, and this is the 10th time you've spent explaining it? There's a better way and a solution. Sweet Process is a software that makes it drop-dead easy to train and onboard new staff and save time with existing staff. Not only do universities, banks, hospitals, and software companies use them, but first responder government agencies use them in life-or-death situations to run their operations. Use Sweet Process to document all the repetitive tasks that eat up your precious time so you can focus on growing your team and empowering them to do their best work. Sign up for a free 14-day trial, no credit card required. Go to sweetprocess.com. That's sweet like candy, S-W-E-E-T, process.com. Jacob Harder is a director of operations and has worked in multifamily property management for 23 years. Most recently, he was director of operations for LCS, a national developer of retirement communities. He lives in Seattle and is an athlete and a martial arts enthusiast. Jacob, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Thanks. Thank you for having me. I'm wonderful. It's a wonderful, uh, foggy sun, uh, Seattle day. Thank you. Good, good. Uh, tell me a, a little bit about um, your most recent uh, venture with LC with uh, LCS and what LCS does. Well, LCS is a uh, developer and manager of senior living communities. They do rentals, uh, for-profit, nonprofit. They also do what are called life plan communities. Uh, that's their their biggest business is life plan communities. A life plan community is essentially like a condo association that you buy into. But instead of having a clubhouse in your high rise or your neighborhood, it's a skilled nursing center where you uh, are paying a standard monthly fee um, to essentially live in your independent living home. And as you age in place or an injured for any reason, maybe outpatient therapy, you just go to the skilled nursing uh, wing down the hall or down the street um, and you're still in the same neighborhood. Um, it's very affordable. Uh, it's, it's, it's a wonderful business plan. Um, also, so as you age in place, you may need memory care or uh, assisted living. You can also transition from your independent living home into that area and still be in the same neighborhood and still be able to uh, have all the activities you normally would. Um, and the wonderful thing is, if you were to ever move out, uh, depending on what, what the structure is, a, a large portion of your original buy of your condo goes back to you or your estate. So it's a, it's a, wonderful, it's a wonderful thing for, for seniors, and I, I plan on doing it in about 30 years. <laughs> Perfect. Had you uh, worked in that type of environment before? Oh, there? yeah, yeah. Um, I actually started out uh, when I was 13 uh, as a landscaper for my father's uh, business. Um, and they own several senior living duplexes back in Colorado where I grew up. Um, and I just worked on the weekends for fun money. And then fun money turned into gas money. And gas money turned into college money. Um, and I transitioned from those senior living communities to other, other communities. Senior living and other multifamily buildings or, or hospitality situations. So what were your, some of your primary responsibilities as a director of operations at LCS? Uh, 
essentially what I was in charge of was ensuring that the community was operating properly. Uh, all the different departments need to interface appropriately. Um, policies and procedures need to be made. They all need to be uh, understood and they all need to be aligned with every single department's goals. Because even though it's one company or one building, um, there are 12 on average different departments with their own ideas, their own goals in mind, their own process, their own labor force, and making sure everyone's on the same page and knows exactly whose responsibility is what and when the responsibilities need to be engaged on. Can you give me an example of some of the departments that you were kind of uh, in charge of operations for? So uh, my primary responsibility was for anything operational. Um, typically the way that some of these communities are designed is there is a, a executive director that oversees everything. There's a director of healthcare administration, the bulk of the health services and regulated areas. And there's the director of uh, operations, which oversees a lot of the operational excellence of the community. Um, so anything that has a lot of moving parts to it that are physical moving parts, um, the, a lot of these communities have restaurants in them. So the restaurant, food and beverage, banquets, events, um, the maintenance and facilities department, the housekeeping department, security department, um, uh, those sort of things and interfacing and making sure that those are all aligned and, and working properly. Yeah, that's a lot of different kinds of departments. So what was your first step that you took in, ter in terms of making sure that they were all aligned? Well, I had to meet with them on, on a regular basis. It, it takes time to build relationships with people um, and understand what their, their pain points are and really uh, earn their trust so that they can tell you what is really bothering them and what's really difficult for them because some things are kind of hidden. Um, underneath all of the uh, nuance of the job and really garnering that trust and allowing them to open up about what's really difficult for them in, the, in their department and figure out how I can help uh, either with the departments that are underneath my care or with other directors departments as well. So then once you met, once you met with maybe one department, what would you do from that point? Well, uh, typically I would just see what, what it is that their pain points are um, and see where my, my department's that I oversee interact with that interface. And if it's not really directly done underneath my belt, then I'll end up going to another director and trying to figure out what exactly can we do together to tackle this issue or tackle this problem or meet our goals. Uh, and, and just, it's a lot of discussion, um, a lot of standing meetings. I, I like to have standing meetings. I'm standing right now. I have a standing desk, um, a lot of quick and, and to the point meetings. There's no um, small talk. It's, this is the problem. What do we need to do and when do we need to have it finished by? And that's it. And that way you can keep moving forward and keep moving on. Can you give me an example of maybe a problem that you, that you just talked about where, you, where somebody said that there was a problem and what, what the steps you took to kind of help solve it? Oh, yeah, sure. So uh, several problems. Uh, one of the things I really love to do is leverage technology and staffing is a huge issue, especially in skilled nursing and, and uh, hospital settings. Um, and there's a number of technologies you can utilize. And a lot of our areas uh, were just lacking the staffing to keep up census for our skilled nursing. Um, so we implemented telesetting, which is an, essentially a video monitoring system that allows a singular uh, nurse or aide to observe multiple residents beyond the standard ratio of a one to five or one to eight, one skilled nursing uh, attendant to eight residents or so. It also uses algorithms and, and AI in order to be able to anticipate falls and injury prone residents so that you can be there um, when they get up, you know, uh, randomly. Also, for security departments who have, again, a, a lack of staffing, uh, using robots, uh, they're, they're everywhere now. And there is a company 
called Nightscope that has essentially a trash can that's about five feet tall that weighs about 800 pounds that uh, acts as a, a monitoring station and a relay station around your community. Um, typically, that would cost an actual person around $50 an hour to do. This piece of equipment is $7 an hour. And it doesn't sleep, doesn't eat, doesn't take breaks. Uh, it doesn't need health insurance. It doesn't have a family. And it's constantly on, always recording, always watching, facial recognition software, um, those sort of things. Um, one more thing also is housekeeping. You know, the, the, the number of individuals in housekeeping uh, is, is staggering how much it takes to clean a 1.5 million square foot community and leveraging uh, technologies like uh, essentially a device that's similar to a Roomba. If you've heard of those robotic vacuuming machines, there's a company called SoftBank, which has a, another small trash can um, that essentially will vacuum all your community for you uh, on its own and, and really free up a lot of your physical staff to do other things. But there's tons of technologies that we can utilize. I mean, I can go on and on about that. How do you find some of these technologies? Google. <laughs> Google. Perfect. Yeah. So you, uh, so let's say, let's say, for example, the, uh, the trash can, um, kind of what, what made you, you know, what made you even think that that would be an option or, you know, what you were, you started with some, a concept and then you, you got to that point. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I essentially thought of, um, First principles. Um, I, I take a lot of inspiration from Elon Musk um, and how he uh, thinks outside the box. And I figured, well, we need someone to, we need security for the community. And well, we have all these different uh, companies that we can outsource the security um, and various levels of security to just a, a patrol, to an actual armed guards and the costs associated with that and the, and the liability and all that associated with that. Well, what exactly does a security person do? Well, they observe and report. Um, they can also apprehend, but that's not something that we actually want to get involved in. We just need someone to observe and report. So I just started looking at just surveillance cameras. And then eventually surveillance cameras evolved into robots and machinery uh, to do all that for you. And then the more I dove into it, the more there are great, great technologies like this one from Nightscope that just, they have so much availability to do so many things um, that they're just, it, it's, it's worth the cost of $7 an hour. So there was, there's a lot of costs up front, but over the long term, you save money. Was that easy to convince kind of the powers that be that uh, that was what was necessary? Well, um, sometimes it's not that easy. Uh, but fortunately, I'm very good at PowerPoint and Canva and can create a very articulate and colorful presentation. So uh, it took a, a few hours of creating something that could be digested so that everyone can understand what we're going to do. And of course, speaking in terms of money, really focusing on how much we're saving and how much it actually costs to have a human being on site. I mean, you may pay a person you know, $17 an hour, but that's not including all the onboarding and offboarding and, and uh, labor costs with l and and all that. I mean, it's essentially, if you pay someone $17 an hour, you're also paying them an extra 30% on that just for their overall use in the community. So utilizing that and understanding how much things actually cost um, really, really helped us understand like it's actually way better to do it this way. What do you do to keep all of the departments in line? Do you just meet with each department head at your stand-up meeting and then that way everybody knows what everybody's doing? Well, um, I love to do uh, 360 reviews. So I developed something called the Leadership Accountability Review, 
where it's a series of 10 questions or so um, that are on a scale rating of one to five um, that essentially allow every individual in every single department from the entry-level staff member to the mid-level staff and their supervisors to report on how their department is doing. Um, it's all an, uh, anonymous. Um, there's nothing to write down. It's all just circling things and turning it in. I have no idea who turned them in. I just know that I have a, the appropriate amount of people. And using that, I've been able to discover where the difficulties in the department are. Um, do people feel like they're overworked? Do they feel like they're treated like pieces of equipment and not human beings? Does their supervisor value their time and respect their time? Because they too are here for eight hours. I mean, we're at work eight plus hours a day. We're at work more than we are with our own families sometimes. So it's best if we really want to have a really wonderful, cohesive environment. And yes, work sucks sometimes, but I mean, we all got to make, make money and ensuring that everybody's content um, and feels respected and useful um, is, is how I, I've been able to keep uh, people accountable. With kind of a, a 24 hour operation, you know, the same manager or the same person can't be there all the time. Was there a way that you guys kind of uh, kept everybody on the same page if, if you know, the, the midnight person was not doing the same thing as the noon person? How do you make sure that those people are aligned? Yeah, sure. So I, I really believe in having a primary, secondary, and tertiary uh, response to everything. I over prepare, always over prepare. Um, so ensuring that there's various levels of management, not so much to have your thumb on people, just so that you're observing and, and uh, making sure everyone's aware that you have to be responsible for certain things and, and really um, supporting individuals and respecting their opinions uh, really helps them to be more involved in the place that they work and it lowers the cost for uh, let's say discrepancies with certain disgruntled individuals is if you give them a value, if you give them value as much as you give your customers value, um, you're, it's a win-win. How did you keep the 360 um, evaluation process kind of uh, constructive or positive rather than just, you know, constant criticism? Well, um, I just, it works. It just works. You know, on the surface, people didn't want to do it at the beginning. They were just, Oh, I don't want to do this because they thought that they would be singled out. You know, um, people really sometimes don't want to stir the stir the pot or rock the boat. They really just want to be in their own little area and just keep their head down low. But that doesn't solve anything. You know, um, being apathetic, apathetic really actually is a problem sometimes, oftentimes, actually, um, in terms of ensuring that you don't have a toxic work environment. Um, so really just doing it every every quarter and making sure that they're individuals who report on their supervisor and then their supervisor reports on me. I even do it for me. So I give it to the people that I supervise and have them report on me and see how I'm doing as, as the leader of the group. And it's very, it's very eye-opening. It's very, very, uh, it, it cre creates a great vulnerability point for myself and my other staff to know that like I'm accountable to the people that I serve and the people that I serve are the people that I'm in charge of ensuring that they're doing their job. But if I'm not a good leader and if they don't respect me and if we don't respect each other, it's going to be a difficult place to work. Did you have a framework that you use to document procedures? Yeah, yeah. Uh, essentially, um, I just have a blank document that uh, has a few points of interest in it. Uh, and every time we have an issue, uh, we create a policy. Every time. There's so many policy books that I have. And I don't want to bog down people with policy. Some people can take a one-page document and turn it into a 20-page document with 
so many different red tape uh, ideas, but really it's just a singular page saying, hey, this is the expectation. These are the three things that we expect you to do. These are the fallout plans um, and, and giving people clear, non-ambiguous, non-ethereal understandings of this is what you need to do. This is when you need to do it. And these are the consequences if you don't do it. Very, very clear and concise. In terms of uh, operations at an, an environment like that, you called it kind of a cruise ship on land before we started recording. What would you say is the most important thing or a couple of the most important things in terms of um, directing operations? Relationships is the most important thing. Relationships with, uh, in this case, the residents who live in the communities that you work, relationships with uh, the staff that you supervise, relationships uh, with your fellow directors just ensuring that everyone trusts each other to do what they need to do and that people are called out when they're doing something they're not supposed to do. And that it's, it's, it's brought to the surface. Um, the relationships is the primary thing. Relationships with your vendors. I, I like to have uh, events with all my vendors once a year. I bring them in uh, to a community. We have a, a, a big dinner for them. And I thank them for doing such a wonderful service to us. Yes, we need them to do the things we need them to do for us for the remodeling and mechanical systems and life safety systems and like, but really fostering a relationship with them and saying, thank you for working for us and working with us on this project. We really appreciate the time and dedication you've done, the quality of work, and we want to continue our relationship in the future. So relationships is, is the number, number one thing. What steps did you take to establish relationships with, um, with residents there? I can see the other ones are kind of they're just almost built in. I know you st it still takes a lot of work and effort to uh, maintain and establish those relationships. But what about in terms of residents? Uh, conversations, just, you know, meeting them in their own home and just seeing how they live, just talking about them and, and their life. Uh, just really understanding where they came from. I always love to ask, so before you, before you decided to move in and live here, what, 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 did, you, what did you do for a living? I mean, have you lived in Washington your entire life? You know, just kind of trying to figure out friendships, essentially. I, I like to treat everybody like a best friend, you know, and it, it really, really helps a, a lot. So, again, relationships. You talked about you're, you're a big technology guy. Do you have a few favorite uh, tools or software that you like? Oh, yeah. Um, I use uh, Smartsheet like crazy. Um, what does that do for you? It, it helps you organize the day-to-day -day operations. And there are so many different variables that I can customize and create Gantt charts and reporting. Uh, I love to have reports. Um, QAPI, Quality Assurance Performance Improvement, is something that skilled nursing, uh, uh, skilled nursing units utilize a lot uh, in ensuring that we have all the data. I love to accumulate data to see what the real, real issues are. Um, MMS, uh, maintenance software, there's works on back to building, tells. Um, leveraging technology like that is, is great. It's, it's really wonderful. Uh, a lot of people still use pad and pe uh, pen and paper which is fine, but then it's, it's, it becomes messy and it's difficult, but keeping everything like in the cloud and, and real digital and quick and everything reference it, um, those sort of things. Okay, great. Uh, how can people connect with you or find out more information about what you're up to now? Oh, sure. They can just send me an email. Uh, Jacob.m as in Michael.harder at Gmail. I uh, actually, about three months ago, just started a consulting firm, a uh, very lean consulting firm consisting of one person. Um, and I've already successfully made my quarterly earnings for the first quarter and I'm not even started yet. So um, it's great. It's a very small business. We essentially consult on multifamily, senior living uh, communities and figure out honestly what they're doing wrong and 
and it's it's a, it's wonderful when you really let it all out and expose the truth of what's really going wrong. You can make so many things work right for everybody. Is there like a common thing that people might be, or you know, that that a you know a, an environment like that might be doing wrong that that, that is easy to overlook? Oh yeah. Uh, individuals in positions of leadership that are resistant to innovate. Um, you need turnover, especially in your management structure. Any business needs turnover in order to be able to survive. And some of those tenured upper management individuals who have been in that business for 15, 20, 30, some of them 40 years, they, they tend to have a difficulty understanding the emergence of technology and different ways, you know, because they've been in that singular entity, they've been in the echo chamber of their own ideas for so long that any other type of information being fed toward them, it's, it's really difficult to get through. So um, the constant theme is, is resistance to innovate, really. Okay. Well, hey, uh, Jacob, it was great to speak with you today. Uh, I really appreciate your time, and I, I thank you for all your insights. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Process Breakdown Podcast. Before you go, quick question. Do you want a tool that makes it easy to document processes, procedures, and or policies for your company so that your employees have all the information they need to be successful at their job? If yes, sign up for a free 14-day trial of Sweet Process. No credit card is required to sign up. Go to sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, and process like process.com. Go now to sweetprocess.com and sign up for your risk-free 14-day trial. Hi, this is Owen, the CEO and co-founder here at Sweet Process. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast interview, uh, actually, you know what I want you to do? Go ahead and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That way we get more people aware of the good stuff that you get here on this podcast. Again, go on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Looking forward to reading your review. Have a good day. That's awesome.